you brought a Bible, go please to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. Deuteronomio capítulo 30 y el verso 6. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in your Bible and it is called the second law. Because in it the prophet Moses delivered the law a second time to the nation of Israel. Only this time he delivered it to the children, the generation that followed after the generation that exited Egypt. And so Deuteronomy was given to a generation that would possess the promised land. A generation that would walk in a grace which the previous generation had not walked. And contained in this uh, great book are these words. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. Moreover the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So that you may live. Would you say that with me? So that you may live. And the Lord your God will inflict all of these curses on your enemies. And on those who hated you. And who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the Lord. And observe all his commandments. Which I command you today. Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, and the offspring of your body, the offspring of your cattle, and the produce of your ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God in keeping his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you will turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it, that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and to make us hear it, that we may observe it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may observe it. Father, we thank you tonight for the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. We're so grateful to be your people, your children, and we love being in our Father's house. And tonight we say we love being in your presence. For the spiritual man, there is no place like home. There is no place like your presence. And tonight I would ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 
Amen. You may be seated tonight. Puede tomar su lugar. I want to use the subject tonight very simply. Your miracle is within reach. Can you tell that to your neighbor? Just tell him your miracle is within reach. There's a word here that I want to share with you in just a moment that deals with that. But first I want to just give you the context of this passage of scripture because it's important. And if you have your Bible open there, it will be helpful to you, I think, as you um, go along with me and we exegete these few verses together. I mentioned that this is the second generation after Egypt. And that generation represents a generation that will possess the land. Really, they represent the generation of grace, the generation of faith. And tonight, you and I are that generation. We are that people that have entered into God's promises by grace. If that's true for you, say amen. And the word of the Lord comes to them, and he says a few things that are important uh, for them, and they're important for us in every generation, in every season, and in every time of life. First of all, uh, we are told by God here that he will circumcise our hearts. This is a word which in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, represented the cutting away of the flesh. The cutting away of our dependence upon self. The, the removal of the impurities of our lives. And so there is both a command and a promise here. First of all, there is a command that we need Things to be cut out of our life. That there are impurities that arise in the human heart. That from time to time need to be cut out. And if you know that's true, say amen. So these things need to be cut out. The Bible tells us to rend our hearts and not our garments. It talks about making an internal examination of the heart. And seeking to, uh, uh, to cut away those things which are not pleasing to God. And every God-fearing man and woman knows what that life is like. Cada hombre y mujer que teme a Dios entiende que cuando Dios dice uh, que es necesario cortar de nuestra vida las impuri, la, la, la impureza, la inmundicia, nuestro corazón dice, sí, Señor. Yo quiero agradecerte a ti. Yo quiero agradarte a ti. Y quiero ser limpio. Every spiritual man, every spiritual woman has a heart yearning to say, God, I want to be holy. I want to be pure. And this is true because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, uh, in, in, uh, on top of being a spirit of, uh, of grace and a spirit of courage and a spirit of breakthrough and, and a spirit of, of, uh, of fortitude, he is also a Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit within us desires holiness, desires a communion and a coming close to God. And so the spiritual man has a command before him, but there's also promise in this text. Because if you notice, the Lord does not say, he does not say, you will circumcise your heart. I don't know if you know this or not, but it is impossible for us to circumcise our own hearts. It's impossible for us 
to cleanse our own hearts. Uh, you and I don't have the capability to do that. Hay, hay una promesa aquí en este pasaje porque el Señor no dice tú limpiarás tu corazón o tú cortarás aquellas cosas inmundas de tu vida porque la verdad es que el hombre no tiene la capacidad de hacerlo. For one of the reasons that we cannot do it, friends, is because Like it or not, uh, we are our worst counselor. Have you ever gone to yourself for counseling? Usted y yo somos nuestro peor consejero. Si usted ha ido con usted mismo para consejería, siempre usted se dice lo que usted quiere oír. When we go to ourselves for counseling, we always get. Uh, we always hear what we want to hear. We tell ourselves what we want to hear. Say amen, somebody. We say, you know, it's not really your fault. It's your genes. It's your mom and dad. It's how you were raised. It's this, it's that, the other. And we tell ourselves what we want when we sit in counseling with ourselves. We sit on, on the couch and we counsel ourselves. And, and we can't cleanse our own heart. You know why? Because we have blind spots. Tenemos áreas de ceguera. Things that everybody else sees but we can't see about ourselves. Hay cosas que, que no vemos, eh, tenemos cegueras eh, en nuestra vida y pensamos que nos conocemos muy bien, pero hay, hay como hay lugares en nuestra vida donde no nos podemos conocer a, a nosotros mismos. Alguien más lo sabe y pensamos que nosotros sabemos todo, pero si alguien vive con nosotros o alguien uh, se casó con nosotros o alguien es nuestro padre o nuestra madre, nos conocen. If you live with somebody, if you, if you are married to somebody, I guarantee you, if you have children, uh, if you have parents, they know things about you that you don't know about yourself. They even know things about you that you think they don't know about you. It's quiet tonight. Aren't you glad you at least have some Some people in your life who don't tell everything they know about you. Say amen. Thank the Lord for that. Some people keep their secrets. So you can't go to yourself for counseling. You've got to go to God for counseling. Because you know, when you and I go to ourselves, we can't see those blind spots in our life. And, and we walk around thinking our hair is combed, but the back of our head needs attention. You know, we have bed head back there. And we think, nobody, nobody knows. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking. I'm doing great. But the reality is you need the Holy Spirit to come along and say to you, Isaac, you need to comb your hair. You need to do, address these issues in your life. Usted y yo tenemos que ir con el consejero que es el Espíritu Santo el cual no miente, no saca vueltas, no nos dice lo que queremos oír. He doesn't tiptoe through the tulips and try to save our feelings. He'll tell you what he needs to tell you. And oh, how he tells us. Y oh, cuando él habla te dice, peínate muchacho. No te fijaste bien en el espejo. Que amigo nos es Cristo. 
The old friend, the old uh, hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Why? Because a friend is the one that will tell you what you need to hear, what you need to know. Un amigo el cual tenemos en Cristo, un amigo verdadero, el cual no nos esconde las cosas, sino nos dice, esto es lo que yo voy a cortar de tu vida. And so the promise in the text is so simple. He says, he doesn't say, you will circumcise your heart. You will cleanse your heart. He doesn't say, you will counsel yourself. He says, the Lord will circumcise your heart. God says, I will do the cutting. Oh, you should have shouted amen right there. Because if, if you left the cutting to men, there'd be a lot of scars. Dios dice, yo soy el que te voy a cortar. Hermano, yo sé que eso se, uh, se oye difícil, pero la verdad es que si usted se deja cortar por los demás, lo van a herir. There is a cutter that when he cuts, he wounds and he heals at the same time. He wounds and he delivers at the same time. Come on, I'm talking about the mighty Holy Ghost who comes with that, with that gracious surgical instrument of conviction. And cuts out the cancer. And he cuts out the disease of the soul. And leaves the soul intact. Cuando él toma ese instrumento de cirugía espiritual. El Espíritu Santo toma aquel cuchillo de la convicción. Y entra y saca el cáncer. Pero deja intacto lo demás. Nos, pre, nos preserva. He, he preserves us. God, the Lord will circumcise your heart. And then there's another phrase there. It says, and the hearts of your children. The hearts of your descendants. How many of you know that our descendants need to be circumcised? They need a cutting of their hearts. Oh, hermano, él dice, yo voy a cortarte a ti, te voy a limpiar, pero también voy a circuncidar tu descendencia. También voy a purificar tu herencia. Oh, friends, I get excited when I read that. I thrill. I get a thrill when I read that. Why? Because I look at this world and I think, is there any hope? Will America go down the tubes? Is there any hope for this land? But then I read that text and God is letting me know, Isaac, I always raise up a godly generation. I will raise up men and women who will still hold up the banner of truth a hundred years after we're gone. A thousand years after we're gone if Christ tarries we he'll still have a remnant of the godly and maybe today you have to leave God to cut your descendants to do the surgery to do the teaching to do the wounding and the healing he says the Lord will circumcise your heart. What is the end of this surgery? ¿Cuál es el fin de esta cirugía? It's there in the second phrase of the sixth verse. He says, I will circumcise your heart to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Dice, yo circuncidaré tu corazón para que ames a Jehová tu Dios 
con todo tu corazón. I don't know if the church has forgotten this or not, but God wants our whole heart. Dios aún quiere todo nuestro corazón. And you know, there is a, a, a message that God gives to the last church, the seventh church mentioned uh, in the book of Revelation. He talks about, he talks to them about the fact that they had, that they had a, an idea that they were well when they weren't well. That they had a notion that they were good when they weren't good. He said, you think you're alive, but you're dead. And I think much of the modern church is just like that. That they have a notion, an idea that they're doing well, but they have not given God their whole heart. What does that look like when a man, a woman is completely saying yes to God, completely and fully committed to God, and there is a fullness of heart toward God. I want to be that man. I want you to be that man. I want you to be that woman, to be that church that says, God, you can have our whole heart. And to the other church of Revelation, he said to them, you have lost your first love. You have, you've given your heart to someone else. A la iglesia en Apocalipsis, a una le dice, piensas que estás viva y no estás. Y a otra le dice, has olvidado tu primer amor, le has dado tu corazón a alguien más. And here's, here's the fact about that, friends, is that anytime God falls to second, whatever's in first is an idol. Cada vez que Dios cae a segundo lugar, segundo lugar, Cualquier cosa que tome primer lugar es un ídolo. How easy sometimes we put other things up there. We get excited about things and even sometimes they're blessings. But we got to be careful never to allow the blessing to become the first thing. The first thing must always be the first thing. It must be our love for God. Cualquier cosa que tome ese lugar uh, de, de privilegio, de prioridad, comienza a ser ídolo en nuestra vida. Aunque sea bendición, muchas veces es una bendición de Dios. Pero en nuestro, en nuestro ánimo, en nuestro de nuevo, en, en nuestra uh, uh, alegría en recibir esa bendición, a veces cae el Señor a segundo lugar. Y, y esa cosa que amamos entra a primer lugar y esto es una verdad. This is an absolute truth. God is so jealous for first place that he will knock out of your life anything that is in his place. Dios es tan celoso por el primer lugar que él uh, 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 rompe de tu vida cualquier cosa que... Pongas en su lugar. That is just a, a fact of scripture. The Bible tells us our God is a jealous God. If you put a car up above God, guess what? God is going to come after that car. Till you hate that thing. Listen, you will end up hating. Mark my words. Study it. Think about it. You always end up hating what you love more than God. If you put it before God, the day will come when you won't be able to stand the sight of that car. You won't be able to stand the sight of that person. 
Because when you see them, you will, you will have been so wounded by the, the ripping away of that thing that you love more than God. And so God says, don't, don't mess with that. You leave me in my place of preeminence. Because when I'm on top, I can bless everything on the bottom. Did you hear me? I said, when God is on top, he blesses everything on the bottom. And the blessing will come down to the car and the house and the, and the kids and, and everything else you've got in there. God will bless it if he is preeminent. If he has the whole heart. Now, here's the, the point that I want to reach. God says in verse 11, and I hope if you have a pen that you'll underline this. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, God says, This commandment which I command you today is not too difficult. Underline that, not too difficult. Ahí, si usted puede subrayar en el verso 11, esa frase que dice, no es muy difícil. Do you realize that God never requires something of us that is more than we can handle? Dios nunca demanda algo de nosotros que sea más que lo que podemos hacer. Es, no es muy difícil. Sometimes, uh, if we have a, a perspective that is negative or a perspective that is, that is fleshly, we think that the smallest thing God requires is too hard. But the fact is that God requires simple things. Dios requiere cosas simples, a veces es difícil obedecerle, pero no porque sea difícil, no porque sea algo duro. The prophet told Naaman, he said, Naaman, if you want to be free of your, of your leprosy, you've got to go wash in the Jordan seven times. And Jordan, uh, and Naaman was upset. He was angry. He said, that filthy Jordan River, I'm not going to bathe in that once, let alone seven times. And he was about to go home and miss his miracle until his servant said to him, Master, if God had asked you for something hard, you would have done it. But God asked you for something easy. He asked you to believe him. He asked you to trust him. He asked you to go and bathe in the Jordan. He asked you just to do the simple thing. And friend, he says it's not too difficult. And what's the next phrase? Underline it there. It is not out of reach. Did you know that your miracle is not out of reach? I'm going to say that again. I'm going to give you another chance. Did you know that your miracle, the one you've been praying about and asking about and hoping for, is not out of reach? God has put everything that you need within your reach. Listen, every time there's a miracle in the Bible, God uses something within reach. In order to split the Red Sea, he told Moses to take the staff that was in his hand. He didn't have to go any further than his arm to be able to reach for that thing that God wanted to use. I'm telling you tonight that already it's in your life, it's within your reach, it's in your house. Just know it, God has a miracle within reach. 
But you see, the problem is this. First of all, reaching is often uncomfortable. A veces el alcanzar es incómodo. When you reach, all of these muscles in here are engaged. It's easier just to sit in a recliner and have somebody bring you stuff. Have you ever been on that side of the couch and the remote was on that side? And all the effort. Because you just found your spot. You just found your perfect spot. And, and yet, you've got to reach over there because your show is about to start. And, and it, it might mean you even have to get up and see if you're not like me. You, if you're like me, you can't call any of the kids to come get it for you, right? you gotta, you got to get up and get it yourself. You see, reaching requires a little bit of discomfort. But can I tell you, it's worth the discomfort. It's worth the agitation. Cuando usted alcanza, cuando usted uh, extiende su brazo. The Bible talks about a man who was, the Bible describes him as a man who had a withered hand. And that morning he came to synagogue. He came to hear Jesus read and teach the scriptures. And, and maybe I think he was sitting in the back and he, his hand had been dried up, unable to work, unable to write, unable to do any of the things required of him. And so he couldn't reach. He couldn't extend his arm. He couldn't do the thing that was natural for him to do. If you, if you threw something as simple as a ball to him, he couldn't reach it. And Jesus called him out of the crowd. Don't you just love it when God points you out? You thought you were going to get away with it. You're just hiding out. Nobody knows I'm here. God knows. And he says, come over here. And he told him, stretch out your hand. And that man might have been thinking, most of the people in here didn't even know I had a withered hand and here you are telling me to stretch it out now I've got to show it off to people I've got to expose it this is going to be uncomfortable this is not going to be fun sometimes God will make you do something that is not comfortable but there is a miracle within reach if that man had said, no, Lord, I can't do it. I can't stretch out my hand. My hand is, is, uh, is, is, uh, is dry. I can't do it. That man would have left without his miracle. But that day he realized there was a miracle within reach. And when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand, he stretched it out. And it was healed. It was made whole. I said it's going to be worth it. I said it's going to be worth it. Somebody ought to get excited about it tonight because it's going to be worth it. Tell your neighbor it's going to be worth it. In fact, I want you to give him a high five and tell him it's going to be worth it. Use those hands. Come on, one more time. It's going to be worth it. Oh. Oh, it's going to be worth it. 
I said, it's going to be worth it. When I get to the end and I win my prize, it's going to be worth it. When I walk and I see God do the thing he promised, it's going to be worth it. Shut up, devil. I don't got time for your complaining. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be all right. All I've got to do is stretch, reach, reach. Hallelujah. Another story in the Bible is about a woman who had a 12-year hemorrhage. 12-year hemorrhage. The Bible said she had an issue of blood for 12 years and had spent all of her money on doctors. And the doctors could not cure her. She was no better for all the doctors. Thank God for doctors. But she was no better for all the doctors, all the bills, all the exams. To me, going to the doctor and going to the airport are equally frustrating. Sometimes I think, next time I fly, I'm just going to come in my pajamas. Because you got to take everything off anyway. And you're walking through there with your belt and your shoes and, and you, you came in looking cool and you end up looking like a fool before they're done with you. And you go to the doctor's office, same thing. You got to fill out the same form you filled out last time. And you got to tell them the same stuff you told them last time. I've got the same address. I got the same phone number. My email is the same. Everything's the same. My credit card number is the same. It's all the same. Can you imagine the frustration 12 years of the same thing and no better? But then she got this idea. She got this thought. The Bible said that she heard that Jesus was coming through town and she said to herself, A miracle is within reach. I said a miracle is within reach. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about you. I said there is a miracle within reach. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But you see, there's not only a miracle within reach. It might be uncomfortable, but there's grace for that reach. Because the scripture tells us that when, when she got through that crowd and the press of the people, nobody wanted to touch her. She looked sick. You know how we are when we notice somebody's sick? No pastor. Yeah, I know how we go. They didn't want to touch her. They didn't want anything to do with her. But she had one thought. There's a miracle within reach. I've got to get to Jesus. That's why you've got to get to the house of God every chance you get. Because you've got to get to Jesus. That's why you need to pray and read the word. Because there's a miracle within reach. You've got to get to Jesus. 
Listen, friend, you're not going to get a miracle watching the novella and the soap opera and the reality TV show. You're not going to get a miracle watching the same old game. You're not going to get a miracle watching the Cowboys and the Spurs. Even if they did go to the Super Bowl, you're not going to get that. That's not the miracle that you need. Come on, somebody. If you want a miracle, you're going to have to reach. You're going to have to reach. Pastor, why do you have to bring the Cowboys into it? I told you God is a jealous God. And she touched him. She touched him. She reached out. Her miracle was from here to there. She just had to touch. The Bible says immediately she was whole. Now she would have gotten away with it crystal clear except for one thing. Jesus noticed. She's trying to get one of those free miracles. <laughs> Just escape into the crowd but Jesus said, oh, stop everything, stop. Somebody touched me. And you know, the disciples saying, Lord, this is not a good time to be OCD. This is not a good time to be concerned about germs and stuff. You got to relax. You're in the middle of a crowd. There are a lot of people here. Everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? Somebody touched me. He said, no, I know that somebody touched me because I felt the power come out of me. I felt grace come out of me. I felt virtue come out of me. Come on, somebody, reach out and take it. Touch him. Let faith reach out tonight. He said, woman, your faith has made you whole. There's one more I want to tell you about. Because the Bible said that the disciples were out on the boat at night. They saw a ghost, a spirit, a phantom. Walking on the water. I imagine some of them started rowing fast in the opposite direction. Let's get out of here. But one of them said, Is that Jesus? Oh God, make us a discerning church. Some people, God comes in the house and goes and they never noticed. Jacob had an encounter with the living God and he woke up and he said, The Lord was here and I never knew it. The Bible said that the Spirit of God left King Saul and he did not know it. Spirit of God left Samson and he knew it not. Oh, church, let us be discerning of the presence of the Lord. And when he comes, let us say, this must be Jesus. Oh, he said, is that the Lord? And Peter, he was the bold one. He, he spoke before he thought. 
Sometimes life gets dark. And all you see is shadows and you think, Lord, is this you? Are you working here or not? Are you in this or not? And tonight if you're looking at shadows and you're wondering, God, are you with me? God, is that you? Today he tells you, it is I. I am the one who walks on the seas and the waves. I am the one who is with you. It is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Oh, you can't, you can't beat Peter. Because Peter wanted to be where Jesus was. And if Jesus wasn't in the boat, Peter didn't want to be in no boat. If Jesus was on the water, Peter wanted to be on the water. That's the way you and I have to be. Come on. If he's not here, let me go where he is. I've got to be where Jesus is. I've got to get to his house. I've got to get to his presence. Let me be where Jesus is. Oh, he said, Lord, bid me to come. And the Lord said, come. Now, Peter's not thinking yet. He's just doing what's natural in God's presence. He's believing. And he steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. He's walking on the water. But while he's not focusing on the water, he's, he's really not walking on the water. What he was doing was he was walking on the word. He was walking on that word that said, come. Come on, somebody. It's time to get out and walk on the word that God has given you. Give your amen to God and stand on his word. The Bible said he saw, he saw the waves. He saw the wind. He got distracted. You can't afford to get distracted. He got distracted and he began to sink. Now this was a fisherman. And as far as I know, fishermen like Peter, they ought to know how to swim. But this guy, when he started swinking, uh, sinking, he started drowning. And he started to cry out and say, help! Save me! Now, I told you there's a miracle within reach. I told you sometimes the reach is uncomfortable. And sometimes the reach, or all the time, the reach has grace. But can I just tell you tonight that when Peter reached out to Jesus, he discovered that there was a reach that reached back. That there was a hand that reached back. Come on, I don't know what you're in tonight, but if you will reach out, there is a hand that's reaching back to raise you up, to hold you. That hand that reached for Jesus was reached by him. And then the Bible says, and they walked back together. What I have asked you to do, God said, is not difficult. It's not out of your reach. It's not in heaven. 
so that you can say, who will go to heaven to bring it back to us? He said, it's not across the ocean in some distant continent so that you can say, oh, but if I had a ship or a boat or an airplane, then I would go and I would get it. He says, it's not in heaven. It's not on the other side of the ocean. He said, it's within your reach. Because, he said, the word is in your mouth. The word is in your mouth and in your heart. When you open your mouth, you're reaching for God. When you open your mouth in worship, when you open your mouth in prayer, you are reaching for God. Our hands, we see them reach, but really it's our words that reach heaven. It's our words that reach God. The Bible says take words in order to come before God. We are to take words. Can I tell you that when you get the word of God in your mouth, that miracle is no further than your mouth. That miracle is in the word of God. And you can have it when you believe Him. Now I want you to stand with me tonight. As I read this verse to you. Isaiah 54 verse 1. It says, sing, O barren one. What does barren mean? It means I cannot bear fruit. Why is he telling a barren woman to sing? He's telling her, sing a lullaby. Sing as if you already had the baby. He said, it's within reach. You start opening your mouth and singing about the things that are not but will be. You start singing about things that be not as though they were. You start singing about health and healing when you're sick. You start singing about prosperity when you're broke. You start declaring the word of God over your life. Sing, O barren one, you who have not born, and break into singing. God, I'm going to sing. After the baby's born, I'll sing. I'll sing after the after the, uh, the 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 work is done. After the miracles in my hand, I'll sing after it's all in place. God says, "Sing, break into singing, cry aloud." You who have not labored with child, because you will have more children than the married woman. The desolate woman will have more children than the married woman, says the Lord. Therefore, stretch the place of your tent and let them stretch out their curtains and their dwellings and do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. God says, reach. Reach. Reach.
because it's within reach. Now, if you believe God and you take Him at His word tonight, I want you to come into this altar and open your mouth. Sing, O barren woman, you who have not born, and break into singing. Start honoring God for the thing that hasn't even happened yet. There's a miracle within reach.